0: Okay, hey Jamie, how you doing? Good to see you. All right, so um, last week, last week we got into a little bit about uh, what evangelism is and what evangelism is not, right? And uh, uh, Kendra, well, Nick first said, "Is it?" I, I think I asked the question. Is everybody? be an evangelist. And Nick, you said no. And then Kendra said, uh, reiterated that everybody's not called to be an evangelist, but everyone should be evangelizing, right? I like that because we all are called to share the gospel, aren't we? So the real thing of what we're trying to um, accomplish with uh, this month on evangelism, these four parts, is to take a real close and personal look at evangelism, like make it personal, personal evangelism. So tonight uh, we're going to break it up like last week, like every week. Um, We're going to break it up into three parts and we're going to have a word of encouragement and then we're going to have the I go preparation process and then the last part we're going to talk about prayer and we're going to we're going to actually apply it. We're going to break up into small groups Uh, we don't have as many people as last week so we'll we'll break up in smaller groups and that'll be better so it was really good last week I you know I know that uh, some people might have been a little bit uncomfortable I know I've been in that position in the past and was a little bit uncomfortable when you think about really applying it and praying about it and start thinking about it and being intentional But it's good. It's part of the process, isn't it? And I think everybody really uh, said that they got something out of it. So I'm excited. So tonight we're going to be talking about Christianity uh, is not a spectator sport. And when I say Christianity, I'm talking about the mission, right? We're talking about evangelism. We're talking about the mission to share the gospel, the Great Commission, right? So, um, Christianity is not a spectator sport where you sit in the stands and cheer for your team, contrary to popular belief today. we like to think about it kind of like that. It kind of our culture, society creeps in and and uh, but that's that's not what Christianity should be. okay? Christianity is, on the other hand, about being on the battlefield and engaging in hand-to-hand combat. It's the most important, it's most important that we accurately, first of all, we need to identify our enemy. And we're gonna look at that in this first part tonight. Identifying our enemy so that um, we need to understand that we might be tempted to believe our enemy's lies and, and circumstances that you encounter, right? you might be tempted to believe your enemy's lies or your your enemies are the people and circumstances that you encounter but we'll spend all of our energy fighting the wrong target if we do that right and we're going to look at that because this is precisely what our true enemy wants especially concerning us in uniting us in the common mission of sharing the gospel and seeing souls freed from bondage. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you so much for the people that are here that are desiring to be intentional about engaging in your mission and sharing the gospel to the lost world and making it personal in their individual lives, Lord, but it is the way you designed it to be as Uh, a team effort, and we are called to unite in this mission, this common mission that we have um, to share the gospel in the Great Commission, even on a personal level, but we're still called to unite and pray for each other and uh, share with each other and encourage each other. So tonight, as we try to apply what you tell us, what you give us in your word, and apply the Holy Spirit and the power that you made uh, in us to work through us. Lord, help us to understand and put these pieces together so that we can connect the dots and truly be effective as a team, as a church in the common mission of sharing the gospel with the world and we'll give you all the praise and glory that you deserve in Jesus' name. Amen. So the we talked about last week teens, the Igo teens, and did you remember the uh what IGO stands for? Anybody? intentional gospel outreach. And that's what we're trying to do. Be intentional about what God has called us to do in our personal lives. And TEAMS, what about that? Does anybody remember what the acronym of TEAMS stands for? That's a little bit harder. Took me a while to get it. Yeah, you got it. Together, everybody advancing the mission Simultaneously, you know simultaneously or spiritually, it's the Holy Spirit working through us together at it as it should work simultaneously, so um as we think about that, um, let's go on because I you know this quote that uh Franklin D. Roosevelt made this famous quote. In his inaugural address. And it was about what we want to talk about tonight. It's about courage. And he said this. He said courage is not the absence of fear. But rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. I love that. I love that quote. For you and I we see that recurring theme through the Bible. And that something else is the all-important mission that we're commissioned to do, which is to teach all nations, right? We're, we're, com- we're commissioned, we're commanded to go and teach. We're, go- we're commanded to go to the lost and share the gospel, even on a most personal level, because that's where it, where it begins. You see, he was leading America through various events that changed course of history. This included the Great Depression and World War I. I know none of us were alive. Uh, You know I know my mom and my dad. My dad's not still alive but my mom and dad were alive and I know my grandparents went through that. I think my my parents were born right on the back end of the depression Um, and so these events were landmarks and suicides and deaths were at all time highs. And President Roosevelt would rely on his inspiring speech to help the citizens find courage to overcome the challenging times because of all the uncertainty. Sounds like, I wonder what he would think today or say today. I mean, we live in some pretty challenging times, don't we? With COVID, with technology, with our culture, with our society, and our world going out of control. You know, the Bible talks about perilous times. We live in a lot of uncertainty. And that uncertainty can cause a lot of fear, like he was talking about here. And that's what we want to talk about tonight, because we need to know how to gain courage, right? That word courage... The root word is core in the Latin, and core stands for our heart, right? And what it meant to have courage was to speak all of your heart, it means to, to tell all, both good and bad, right? Now, a lot of times it's okay for us, we'll tell the good. But what really takes courage is telling it in the proper perspective, telling the truth about it, even the bad. And that takes vulnerability, doesn't it? To really be able to share both the good and the bad, everything. Kind of reminds me of the woman at the well we talked about last week. Remember what she said? After she had, been, after she had seen Jesus, he had revealed himself as her Messiah, she spoke with him face to face. She left her water pot. She left her purpose. And she went into the city, and it sa- she said, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Right? That took courage. Right? You, you can imagine she had a lot of shame. We talked about her that. And, and you would think she would have a lot of fear. But she exercised courage in an amazing way. And she just simply asked the question, is this not the Christ? And it said that the men believed and and many more went out and they all went out and they went and they abode with Jesus for two days. She led the men of the city to Christ. I mean, we don't know if it's all of them. It was certainly a lot of them. But it was major, in the impact that she had, and the intentionality, all because she had courage and exercised this vulnerability. That's what courage is all about. And it reminds us of what the Lord commanded Joshua as he was to lead the Jewish people into their campaign to conquer the land of Canaan. In Joshua 1.7, he says, he he commands his... His commander-in-chief, Joshua, and he says, only be thou strong, right? He commands him to be strong. It's that recurring theme that we see even in the New Testament. And be very courageous that thou mayest observe to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. And then he says, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest, right? He tells that to Joshua, and I think it speaks through to us. We see the same recurring theme, right? To just trust in Christ, believe in God, because we know that the battle is already won, that the victory has been won in Christ, right? That he's won the victory, And he's got the power, like we looked at last week, that he's commissioned us, commanded us to go take the gospel in this great commission that we're asked to do, right? So we see in the Bible that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's faith in the Lord and his greater mission, his greater purpose. So it's okay for us to be afraid. Did you know that? When we're faced with this, I think that's the biggest, th- the biggest obstacle that we face is we don't realize when we feel fear, we all feel fear, right? When we're encountered, when we think about going out and sharing the gospel and sharing our lives and being vulnerable, fear is the most natural thing that we're going to fear. I mean, that we're going to experience, right? Right? So we got to realize that first off. Courage is not the absence of, of fear, it's exercising our faith and in the Lord in his greater mission. So, however, at having said that, when you have courage, you know that there is a road beyond the fear. That's important for us to know. Courage teaches you to look at the larger picture. And this gives you the ability to overcome your fear. We can overcome our fear through faith. So we must be courageous in the battle that we face to share our faith and accomplish his mission. And we see the same command given to us in the New Testament concerning the gospel mission. However, we need wisdom, we need God's wisdom of his spirit, we need the wisdom of God's spirit. There, I got it. Found in his word to identify who our actual enemy is. Right? We need to identify our enemy. And we see this, and you probably know where I'm going. In the gospel, or in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes this letter, and he says to them in the last chapter, Of Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 12 he says finally my brethren be strong you see those same words that he commanded Joshua the Lord commanded Joshua you know which his name means Jesus right Jesus is commanding his people he commands us be strong in the Lord right We can't be, we can't do like we talked about last week before we be, right? God made us to be, but he doesn't command us to be something that he can't give us the power in order to be that way, right? We're created for this purpose, like we talked about last week, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he goes on and he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, we need to identify our enemy. And we see the first enemy that we face there, the devil, right? He's wily. We all know that, don't we? We all know how wily he is. How many people have you tried to share the gospel with or maybe disciple or just talk to about the gospel? And some circumstance comes up, and boom. It just changes the whole conversation. It changes your appointment, your meeting. How many of you have ever experienced that? Right? Most all of us, I'm sure. So it's important that we identify that so we're not fighting, you know, the wrong wrong thing. We must identify that, hey, there, there are things that are going to take place. If we sign up, if we enlist in the, in the, in the gospel mission, right, we're on the same team, we got to realize who our real enemy is. It's the devil, and he's wily. And he goes on to say, for we wrestle not with flesh and blood, right? It's not with the other person either. Right? Sometimes we, we, we'll engage in the gospel, and we've got to realize, like we've talked about, people are blind to the gospel. The gospel is hid to them. And so our battle is not with flesh and blood. Although, I don't know about you, but the biggest battle that I face sometimes is my own flesh. Right? We've got to get our heart involved. And get our flesh out of the picture, right? But I think here, it's we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're talking about other people, right? So, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places, right? And so when you look at that, we see that this is actually a hierarchy from the devil down, up above, right? It's a spiritual hierarchy from, from the devil to uh, the principalities that are under him, the princes, against, and, and then against the powers that are below them and against the rulers of darkness of this world that he set in place and then spiritual wickedness that goes on in high places because it's everywhere. It's the course of this world. And we've got to realize the world and the flesh and the devil are our true enemies. We've just got to realize that. Now, how many of you that instantly puts fear into your heart? Does that put fear in your heart when you think of that? We're fighting an unseen enemy We're fighting something that is just, I mean, it's totally contrary to our normal way of looking at things and thinking about things. So why does he tell us that? Because the thing is, it forces us to put our trust in Christ, right? We have to put our trust because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We know that. Amen? So it forces us to put our trust in our commander, in Jesus Christ. So the world, the flesh, and the devil are true enemies, not the people and the circumstances that we typically think that we war against. So the world, that is, the culture that we interact with and all its technology and all of its... You know, COVID problems and quarantines and uncertainty is full of full of thought that is based on our enemy's lies. Are they not? Amen. So our true enemy uses deception so that people will not recognize that they are being held captive to seeing life the way that Satan wants them to see it. You see, we need to make sure that we don't engage in the wrong enemy and fight with the wrong motives and that continue to defeat God's purpose and his mission for our lives. The greater mission is always the gospel, right? What's the great command? I just read this today, am I reading through the Bible? That's why I thought of it. What's the great command? Love, Love God. Love the Lord with all your heart and mind and strength. And then the second command is love others as yourself, right? Love others. So the gospel mission is all about that. Put God first, others second, ourselves last, right? And that's not easy to do. But if we can do that, we can learn to trust in God. He can accomplish his mission through us. And that's what Ephesians 6 is all about. It's putting on the whole armor of God, right? And it goes on, and I'm not going to go through each piece because I know you, you know the pieces, and it's not a mental exercise. It's, it's a way of realizing that God has us covered if we will gird our loins with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and And the helmet of salvation to guard our mind and 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 to understand who our enemy is, and what the the real motives are why we're doing it is to glorify god and then it says in verse fifteen, and having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you see this is a great segue as we get ready to go into the second part of of uh, intentional gospel outreach preparation, because the whole reason why we're doing this, the whole reason why we engage, engage in, the, in the in the gospel, is that we need our heart changed first, like we talked about last week, right? We need our heart changed. We need our heart to become the heartbeat of God, because that's His mission to reach other people, is it not? So the thing that we, we, we need to see is that it's all about the mission and being prepared to take the gospel of peace to the world. And part of this that we're going to look at is praying always. And Jeremy's going to talk about this next week. But it says part of the preparation process is that we need to pray always. And we talked about in those four points that we talked about, the four goals of IGO is to be intentional, right, we need to be, and we need to be personal, we need to be able to talk with people, we need to make it person, personal, right, in our core, in our heart, and that contact begins with God, and then the third thing is we need to be continual, right, that's what it says here, be always, it says praying always, right, and and always doesn't, you know, it's like not every, we can't pray every second of the day, but we should be mindful to be talking to the Lord about everything that we do. It should be mindful of the gospel. That's why he says to be continual. And then the last one is to be trusting because it forces us. If we're praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, then... It forces us to trust in him. And I think Ephesians 6 is is all about this. It's all about the mission and getting our mind uh, and our focus and our heart right to see that the mission is above all other things. It's the most important thing in our life. You know, what we do down here impacts all of eternity. Not only in the person that God wants to put us face to face with, but in our own life, it changes us, wouldn't you agree, as much as it changes them. And it changes us as we work together as a team. It changes us totally. And he, and he goes on to say, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Right? Watching. Again, we think of militarily. Watching. Um, they used to have watches that they put on the wall of the city When they would have the walls built like around Jerusalem or any city. They would have watches in the night and they would have four watches and they would have towers up above them and they would have watchmen that would set and watch for invading armies. And they would be watching, make sure that the enemy didn't come in to the city, to the camp. It's the same thing that Paul's saying here. We need to be watching continually. We need to be, like he says uh, in in, uh, what is it, Ephesians 5, he says, be be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy, your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion. So we need to be watchful. We need to be, be always on guard. And watching there with all perseverance and supplication. And Jeremy's going to talk more about this next week about praying and how we should pray. Because here it says, and supplication for all saints. Right? We're praying for each other. That we would all be engaged. That we would all be strengthened. We just finished, Jeremy just finished praying for many people in our church. And it's so cool. In a time like this, we need that. We need prayer and supplication because there's so much going on. There's so much sickness. We have people that are are taken out of the battle, you know, and it's not just people that are older that have health problems. We see a lot of people that are younger that are engaged in the battle that are getting sick, that are, you know, having injuries, and you get taken out of the battle. We need to have prayer and supplications for all the saints. And then he says, he makes it personally, and he says, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, right? And I, I, I like this word utterance because we're going to reiterate on it in the second piece of the, the intentional gospel prep- preparation here that we're moving into. This is a great segue. Because he said, "For and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly. Okay? And this is one of our, our principles in IGO is to be bold but not brash. It's like the same, uh, it's, it's the same idea, same definition as courageous, right? It's telling all, both good and bad. But you have to be vulnerable right it's tempered it's not being brash it's being bold with the truth and knowing when to be bold and when t- to talk and when to say the right thing under the power and the conviction of the holy spirit right that takes training that takes guidance right we have to have our core trained right we talk about core training a lot of times in in fitness, and what does that mean? It means training your heart, cardio training, training your core, right? Spiritually speaking, we need core training. We all need that. We need to have our heart changed because Paul goes on and he says that, I may speak boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel because it's a mystery, the people that we talk to, right? It's a mystery. Sometimes they look at you like if you were to just give them all the gospel, it's like you're speaking a foreign language, right? We have to find openings like we talked about last week, like just learning to to find small openings, identify their thirst, like we saw in the video last week, like we saw in the, the woman at the well. And, share a little bit about our testimony that maybe that matches up with what they're going through when you see that spiritual need or that spiritual thirst it's to be able to identify that right that's why we need to be prepared in the gospel because it's a mystery and Paul goes on to say which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Right? There's that word boldly again. But he says, as I ought to speak. Because Paul's asking for prayer. If Paul's asking for a prayer to know how I ought to speak, then we all need to ask for prayer to know how we ought to speak and when we ought to speak and how we ought to say it. And what we ought to say, we need the Holy Spirit so desperately, right? It's like we looked at last week in John chapter 15. For without him, we can do nothing, right? So that's a perfect segue into the next part. And um, we're going to talk about the preparation process. And Jeremy's got some handouts he's going to hand out to you. And he's got the mic, so hopefully this will resonate a little bit with you as we go through this. Because this process that he's got, if you look on the back, it shows a circle, uh, a circular process, a circular process that really symbolizes. It's got seven, and dare I say, steps, okay? It's not meant to be mechanical But this is the process we go through in prayer when we meet as a team. And we have several teams that are meeting right now. And I want to say this about the seven steps or the seven individual pieces. Um, Because when we meet, it's not like we go through each one. It's like the seven stages of spiritual growth, right? Right? It's a process that the Holy Spirit works out in us. And, I mean, it's good to identify those things, but once you identify it, once you get used to it, it becomes intuitive, it becomes organic, it begins to flow, and and, and it all flows together, okay? I mean, I I think when we broke up in our team, I just realized that when we broke up and we went through that we did a lot of this process it was just very natural as we as we spoke for 15 minutes last week so it's not meant to be long but it's meant to be focused and intentional so let's look at it and I'm uh Jeremy's got the mic but um as you see the cycle we're going to use that in the In the next piece, when we break up in the practical part, so you can write those people maybe that you identified. I don't know if if any of you started a prayer journal, but I talked about it a little bit last week. But it's good not only that we identify, but that we pray for people. And I know we talked about it at church that we prayed, you know, for each other throughout the week. And it's good because you, as you go through this process, that's when you begin to see the Holy Spirit working in your life. So, the I go prep, preparation process is, uh, this is the theme verse, is that we want a heart change, right? And First Peter 3.15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, Right? That's the first thing he says, semicolon. Think about that. We need to sanctify. What does that mean? To sanctify the Lord God in your heart. What do you think about? You, what? Set apart, right? We're set apart for a greater purpose. We're set apart for the mission, right? We're set apart for the gospel it shows us we need to be, there's something that has to happen and God has to sanctify us right we can't sanctify ourselves can we we have to be changed and only he can change our hearts but he invites us we have to be a part of the process right we have to sanctify the the lord it says in your hearts okay so that's the thing that we're looking for in these four weeks That's the thing that the Lord wants to do to use us in sharing the gospel is to share his heart. So that's a very important part of this uh, preparation process. And then it goes on and it says, and be, right, there's that word be again, be ready always, continually, always. Be ready, right, that word ready, I think preparation, we're made ready, right, ready ready-made, right? We're, we're, we've we're got to be made ready in the preparation process to what? It goes on, to give an answer to every man that asketh of you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And it, it's like we talked about last week. It's not going and telling and Hooking them up to the fire hose, God's word and his wa- you know, the water of the word, and hooking them up to fire hose and you know, shining that bright light, that that spotlight in their eyes. It's it's being ready to give an answer. It's it's letting the Holy Spirit guide the conversation so that they will ask, you know, what what is it? Why why, Jeremy? Why are you always so happy why are you so calm when things go on you know they're asking you what it was why do you have hope through all this you know and it's an open door right and then you can share with them it's a very very good verse so um the first thing that we see on this wheel is to pray okay this process begins with prayer and it ends with prayer and we pray for those who God identifies us to initiate contact with, and and it's very important. Not only are we praying for them, and Jerry, Jeremiah, uh, Jerry, Jeremy, Jeremiah, I'm sorry, I called you, I told, I let the cat out of the bag. Your real name, Jeremiah. Okay, Jeremy is going to talk about next week. You know how we're supposed to pray for people, right? How we're supposed to pray. And, and how it works, and what the Bible really says about all this, because we are to pray, but we're to pray intentionally in a certain way, and I think that's really important, so it's perfect. I'm not going to steal any of this thunder, hopefully, because, <laughs> because it's all the Lord's, so, but but no, it, it, I think it's a perfect segue because really that's what all of this is about. And we talked about last week, one of the most important things, the most important thing is our air support, right? In battle, it's your air support. It's, it's prayer. So um, we should pray. Will you say that again on the mic? So yeah. so they can hear you. Yeah, talk. most people
1: are not praying biblically right. when it comes to praying for the lost.
0: And so we want to make sure we're aligned with what the Lord says. But most people um, are not aligned with what the Lord says when they pray for the lost. Yeah. Amen. So, Amen. Next week. Yeah, very good. So... If you want to hand the mic, if somebody wants to read uh, Colossians four 3, we're going to do like last week, and, uh, and if you could read as we go down through these seven points, and again remind you that they flow together, but we're to pray that God would identify the people that he initiates us to have contact with, we got to realize it's he initiates, and also very importantly, like we saw in Ephesians 6, that we pray for each other. Right? So that was a segue to Colossians 4 3. And who's going to read that? Nick? With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Very good. Yeah. It, it, it sounds very much a parallel passage with, with Ephesians 6, uh, uh, 19 and 20, where he says, praying also for us, right, that God would open unto us, and here he uses the word uh, a door of utterance, which is really cool, because we need, we pray for open doors. I know Jeremy's going to talk about that next week. It's very important. So, what do you think a door, first of all, the door, what is that? Nick, you have the mic, so. The door. Oh, okay. Kendra, you're up.
1: What, what, you, what, was, what the, the is the door? door? Is that, the door. I mean, just an opportunity?
0: Opportunity to share Christ. Really, um, in in John chapter ten, Jesus said, "I am the door." Jesus is the door to a, a whole different kingdom, right? The eternal kingdom. He's the doorway, right? And we see this door of utterance. Man, this blew my mind because I mean, I I, I thought I looked at it before, but not really closely. The word utterance, and I've never seen such a long list of all the things that it means it's talking about the voice and the voice of God and coming from you know his his kingdom and through the door and it's talking about all the different aspects of how it breaks down and how we should speak and how we should communicate and and what we should communicate and I'm you know I I can't possibly begin to list it unless I pulled it up but um it's amazing. It's it's all these different ways. It made me think about when Paul went to the third heaven, and he said, um, "I I I was taken up into the third heaven." And he said, "I saw things that were not lawful uh, for me to utter." Didn't he say that? You remember? And I forget where that's at, but is it Colossians? or? 2 Corinthians 12, okay. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's right, Ron. Thank you. 2 Corinthians 12. But he says things are not lawful to utter. You know, that was like, it was different language. It was, you know what? We need the Holy Spirit. We need a translator. We need the Holy Spirit to make us make sense and make sense to the person that we're speaking to because it's a mystery. We need a door of utterance. And only God, only, only the Lord, the door, and only the voice of God, only the Holy Spirit can begin to open that up so that we have communication between us. And it really makes, it, makes, it gives you a whole new idea of the of what we call divine appointments, right? So let's move on to the second part. Praise just kind of moves right into praise. Right? We we do these together and we praise God for what He has done for us and through us and around us, right? Because He's always working around us. And we were we were praying uh last week and I'll just give a testimony. Somebody that um came up and told me that uh we were praying for um their son in law and uh he was Catholic and he's he was brought up catholic but we're praying for him and he found out that his daughter called and um, said that he'd been checking out a podcast for like i think six months god had been preparing his heart and that he had questions and wanted wanted some answers and i mean god just is starting to open this door it looks like And it's, I I mean, he's been praying for a long time, so it wasn't just from, you know, prayer last week. I'm not saying that, but prayer is that preparation where God begins to change our heart. We know what to pray for, what to look for. God works on both sides, and it changes things. Not only our heart, but it changes people around us. So Luke 2.20, Kendra, would you read that?
1: And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them.
0: Okay, the the familiar story, right? We hear at Christmas. It's coming up soon, in the next couple weeks probably. Uh, I don't know if Brian's doing it on Christmas Eve or or what, but. We think of those shepherds abiding in the field, and I read through that. And You all know that story. is probably familiar to you all. But you think about the angel came down and, and, and told them about the, the, the baby that they would find that was, the, uh, was wrapped and swaddling in a manger, that he was the Messiah. And they saw this great light, and they, they, they had the angels t- you know, preach to them or talk to them, communicate with them about good tidings, you know, the good news, the gospel had come to all men, right? He came to be the savior of the world. And we see that, and that's the thing. We have the greatest news that anybody could ever hear. And we know that God wants to use us just like those angels to give that. That's pretty amazing, pretty heavy stuff. We need our hearts prepared for that. There's a, there's a hefty res- responsibility that goes along with that, right? So the next thing, or the pray and the praise works right into the review, and sometimes the, the review and the rehearse are very close and similar, so it, again, it just flows together, and we review those who... We're asking God to in, intervene with His glory, right? We're, and we're and we're not only asking for Him to intervene, but to intervene in our hearts, right? To show us how we ought to speak, or if we ought to speak, you know, or open a door of utterance. And uh, first, the less, first Thessalonians, uh, I have two four through eleven. Really, that whole passage is is awesome about. The gospel, but I only put one verse because we don't have a lot of time. Uh, but who, uh, Rex, can you read that? As you know, how we exhorted and comfort, comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his ch- children. Yeah, as a father does his children. And, and earlier in that passage, it's like, as a nurse nourisheth her her uh children are not children, is it children but it, it's like a nursemaid you know it shows that nurturing aspect it shows that fatherly aspect and it and it and it it teaches us something here because he says it exhorted and comforted and charged right again exhorted there's that word that and another word for exhort is to admonish or to encourage. Uh, I think it's uh, paracleo, which we get from the, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, uh, the Holy Spirit. And so it's to exhort. It's to encourage, right? And then comforted. We comfort people sometimes with our... Our, our testimony, we comfort them with the hope that we can give them, both good and bad, right? We're vulnerable. So we we comfort people with the comfort that we've been comforted with, right? And then the third thing is that, and charged, right? There's a charge, just like we saw in Joshua, just like we saw in Ephesians. God gives us a gospel charge, right? What? Yeah, read verse 4. Verse 4 is, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Oh, that's powerful. He trusts a trust in us to do that. Right. That's a powerful thing. Thank you, Rex. Yeah, that's powerful when we know that. We're entrusted with the greatest I mean, the greatest news. I mean, it's the greatest news for us. It's the greatest news for them. But if we can't make that connection, if our heart's not right, if God's, you know, God doesn't force himself on anyone. Right? Sorry, Jeremy. Jeremy's going to talk about that next week. But, but uh, he wants to use us. And and he does charge us with the gospel mission. And the, and the fourth thing is to rehearse and and discuss um, the relationships that God has entrusted. So that's a great segue, Rex. Rex. Thank you for reading that verse. Because God entrusts people to us, he 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 tells us just like he told Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. To go, you know, attach yourself to that chariot. He led him down on the way to Gaza, and he said, "Attach yourself to that chariot." And he, it was a divine appointment, right? He had a he had a prepared sinner, the Ethiopian eunuch, with Philip, the the prepared saint, and he brought them together, just like he brings us together, so we can share the greatest news that's ever told. Um, Acts fourteen twenty seven. Is that you Steve? I got it hey, uh I just got to give a shout out to uh, Don and Diana they uh, we have people watching on Facebook, I know, and uh oh cool, so they were just encouraged with your teaching last week, and so I wanted to say hi to them and praise the Lord so uh now now I'll read but uh anyway, we love you guys and uh hope to see you soon uh, acts fourteen twenty seven and when they were come and had gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Hmm. They rehearsed, and, and I just want to say thank you, Steve, for for being here. I know Steve has been so influential in my life. We've been together for a long time, and we've shared the gospel a lot together. And one of the greatest things is what, what's kept us going sometimes in all the down times, the bad times, and the good is that we rehearse, we rehearse the good things. We talk about what God's doing, you know, both in, in people's lives that we come in contact, that he brings us together, and what, what he's doing in our own heart. And that strengthens, that encourage, we encourage, hopefully I encourage you. I know you encourage me tremendously. And so thank you for that, Steve. I really mean it. So, um, yeah, he wants to open. He, he, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And he wants us to do the same thing. So we can realize how his Holy Spirit moves and works and and what it is that he's called us to do, how important it is. And then we reevaluate, reevaluate the soil. I have the soil and opportunities to sow the seed of the word of God in the souls of men or in the hearts of men. Um, This is, I go principle number seven I put in there. Um is plant the moist seed it 's not the most it 's the moist, right? We like to think plant the most seed in the softest soil, but it 's the moist right It has to be it has to be prayed over. It has to be I, I said moist because we know the Holy Spirit is likened to uh, rain a lot of the time, the seed's the word of God, so we have to bathe it in prayer, we have to bathe it in our own hearts in prayer. And we have to bathe the situation because God is working all around us. And then we have to check the soil. Like Matthew 13, you know, the parable of the sower. I mean, there's three different different types of soil, right? Or is there four? Three different types of soil. Or is there four? Yeah, four. Four different types of soil, right? There's stony ground and there's, you know, hard ground and there's... uh, thorns and thistles and then there's there's you know good soil fertile fertile ground right we have to be looking to checking the soil we need to be Brian likes to say soil samplers right we need to we need to check right I mean it doesn't do a lot of good to spend a lot of time trying to dig up that hard rock I mean only God can do that a lot of times so, uh, but if it's, if it's thorny, we try to try to keep maybe the, the conversation going um, and uh, hopefully that sometime in the future God will work on it. But we need to check the soil of people's hearts so that we engage intentionally and spend our time wisely, right, where God would have us. So, the sixth thing is reclaim. We reclaim the promises that we have found in God's Word, Ephesians 1.13. Trusted
1: after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise.
0: Right, in whom also, in whom also, uh, ye also trusted. Right. There's, there's two sides. We trusted in Christ, and he entrusts us, like Rex read, with the gospel, right? There's that trust relationship. After we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom after that you believe, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There's a lot of promises that go along with that, that God gives us, and we have to be aware that's the hope that we have within us. It all rests in that trusting in the promises of what God has prom- promised us by the Holy Spirit, right? And that develops our faith. That develops. It changes our heart. It changes us at the core. And the last thing is commit, right? We have to commit ourselves to the precious souls that God has given to you in prayer. The, the ones that he has led you to, the ones that, that he has opened the door to, that uh, he has allowed us to engage in. And we started with somebody last week. We started with one person in our family. And we're going to break up again, and we're going to look at that. And we're going to realize that we're committed. I mean, they're in our family. God has placed us for his His divine uh, understanding his reasoning we're in their family and and that doesn't mean that we can change them or anything like that but we, we need to be praying for those people that god that we know god is working on and changing and and be a be a good gospel witness right so um it says in 2 Timothy 1.14, I'll read it, that good thing that was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us, right? And that commitment, that committed that he's talking about here is a deposit or a trust. I think of a trust. It's the most valuable thing uh, in all eternity. Um, it's a thing that's co-signed to one's faithful keeping, it's used of the gospel to be held firmly and faithfully and conscientious, conscientiously delivered unto others, all right? So as we think about that, I, I, I want you to realize that when we go through, we don't, we don't go through this process and, and, and uh, go through each step as we break up in teams or as we break up in groups right now. Just keep be conscious of that, and if you have something that uh, uh, you have the person that you identified that you're praying for, or you have somebody else that you identified uh, that you want to pray for. I don't know, Jeremy, if you have anything you want to add to that, but um, but if you have something that's that's happened, then definitely you want to rehearse it. You want to review it. You want to talk about it and then you want to pray about it. So it begins with prayer and it and it ends with prayer. So it's just a it's just one continuous circle that should just flow together. And we should be able to do that in ten or fifteen minutes. I know last week we had some we had more people and we had bigger groups, but if we can break up, I think, in maybe groups of three or four, uh, then we ought to be able to to do that. Pretty quickly, and just identify somebody. You have something, Sharon? Yes, I just wanted
1: to make a comment about we read. You know that Paul asked in Ephesians that we he would be that they would pray for him to be bold. And I was thinking, I think of Paul not as a person who needs to be bold. He is bold, but then maybe he's bold because he's asked people to pray for him to be bold, and he. I think. Being bold was really also to say the right things, to not just get off on some tangent that maybe he was thinking about, but to say what God wanted him to say. That was part of the being bold for his prayer.
0: Amen. That's perfect. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's absolutely part of it. As we rehearse, as we look at these things and we see God moving, he begins to change our heart. We begin to see these things that he wants to change in us. And he wants us to be bold. He wants us to be courageous. But, but he wants us to say the right things. Not bold, not brash. You know, bold in the spirit, in the right way, at the right times, in the right things. And not saying, the, you know, the wrong things. Or maybe listening, like we talked about. Listening more than we talk. So there's principles that we're going to go through. Um, I think it's next week. Is that next week? Principles? Or is it the last week? But I kind of talk I hit on a little bit, but I love those principles because it kind of fits with all the scripture that we're going over and the way it changes us and shapes us and and we do live by principles, right? We live by proverbs and principles throughout the scripture and they shape and guide us and direct us, so if we could break up in groups of three or four and then pray for the people, maybe you want to identify someone else, maybe you want to talk a little bit about what God has done this week, um, then, um, then we'll get back together and we'll pray and we'll be uh, dismissed. If anybody has anything that they want to share about what happened, we can do that too, so we're good.